the Anglican Church in the Bahamas and the Turks and Caicos Islands presents Insight, a program sponsored by the Anglican Churchman.
Good evening. My name is Mary Rodland, and I'm from the parish of Holy Cross. My technical producer is Ramon Sweeting. Welcome to Insight. This program is sponsored by the Anglican Churchmen. Blessed be the Lord our God, by whose grace we are yet alive. Blessed be his Son, Jesus Christ, by whose rising we are set free. Father, we come together in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Redeemer, to offer you our worship, praise, and thanksgiving. To you belong all power and glory. You are the source of all goodness. Let our worship bear witness to your peace and saving power. Through your Spirit, may we ever rejoice in the abiding presence of our risen and ascended Lord. Amen. O gracious light, pure brightness of the ever-living Father in heaven, O Jesus Christ, holy and blessed, now as we come to the setting of the sun and our eyes behold the vesper light, we sing your praises, O God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You are worthy at all times to be praised by happy voices. O Son of God, giver of life, and to be glorified through all the worlds. Have mercy upon us, most merciful Father. In your compassion, forgive us our sins, known and unknown, things done and left undone. And so uphold us by your Spirit, that we may live and serve you in newness of life, to the honor and glory of your name, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty and everlasting God, you govern all things both in heaven and on earth. Mercifully, hear the supplications of your people. And in our time, grant us your peace through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Our first hymn, Holy is his name. His name 
there's mercy in every generation He has revealed His power and His glory He has cast down the mighty in their arrogance and has lifted up the meek and Our reading for this evening is taken from the book of Mark, chapter 8, verses 22 to 30. They came to Bethsaida, and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by his hand and led him outside the village. When he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, Do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people, they look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hand on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Jesus sent him home saying, don't even go into the village. Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. On the way he asked them, do people say I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Peter answered, you are the Messiah. Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. Today is the fourth Sunday after Epiphany. The word epiphany means to manifest or shine forth. Through centuries of tradition, epiphany has been the season to remember and celebrate the mission of the church as it spreads throughout the world. It is the season for believers to consider how Jesus fulfilled his destiny and how we as Christians can fill our destiny too. Most of us are familiar with the song sung by Jimmy Cliff. I can see clearly now. The lyric, some of the lyrics goes like this. I can see clearly now the rain is gone. I can see obstacles in my way. Gone are the dark clouds that had me blind. It is going to be a bright, bright, sunshiny day. 
The lyrics of this song no doubt express the feelings of the blind man in our reading for this evening. Jesus had completed several trips by boat across the Sea of Galilee. Now he returned to Bethsaida, the hometown of several of his disciples. He had recently fed 4,000 people with seven loaves of bread and a few small fish. And then dealt with some Pharisees, he wanted him to perform another sign or testing miracle. So when they arrived in Bethsaida, some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. It is clear from the reading that the words brought and begged that the faith of others beside the blind man was involved. However, the process of this healing was very different from other healings that Jesus performed. One writer puts it this way, Jesus healed people in various ways to show that he had full liberty as to the method of his proceeding and was not restricted to a fixed rule so as not to resort to a variety of methods in exercising his power. Jesus will not be limited in one way of healing others. Rather, he will exercise his kingly prerogative to heal however he sees fit. But how was this miracle different? Well, first, Jesus took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. Jesus did not heal the man in the village proper, but cured his blindness outside of the village. The question then arises as to why Jesus took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village before he healed him. I believe the answer to this question is found in Matthew chapter 11, verses 20 to 21, and it states, Then Jesus began to denounce the cities in which most of his miracles had been performed, because they did not repent. Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! If the miracles that performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have re repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. I believe that Jesus separated this man from the unbelief of the city. He did not want any remarks and insults to be hurled at this man who was young in his faith. Yes, Jesus could heal in the midst of unbelief, but this man could not maintain his healing surrounded by the ridicule of the city in which he lived. This is why I believe Jesus led the man out of the town and healed him away from the view of the religious population of Bethsaida. So the healing of this blind man outside the village confirms Jesus's unwillingness to continue performing miracles before those who refuse to accept his teaching about his person and work. Second, Jesus used his spit in the healing. In the Bible, we find that it is an insult to spit on someone or to be spat upon. In the book of Leviticus, chapter 15, verse 8, anyone under the law of Moses who was spat upon had to wash themselves and their clothes. Even after washing, they were considered unclean until the evening. However, 
If we read this passage carefully, we will see that Jesus did not spit on the blind man. He spat on the blindness. This was the ultimate insult to sickness and disease. Jesus released all of his contempt for Satan and his works when he spat on the blindness. Third, Jesus laid his hands on the man two times. This healing stands out for being the only healing in the gospel that occurs in stages. After the first healing, the man's eyes opened partially and he told Jesus he saw men walking, but they were out of focus and looked like trees. Scripture does not say whether this man had sight before, but what is interesting is that he knew what a man or a tree looked like. When Jesus laid hands on him again, the man's vision was completely healed and he saw clearly. But why did Jesus lay hands on the man more than once? Surely it was not to release more of God's power. Jesus could heal him with just a word. But I believe the reason goes back to the city of Bethsaida, where this man lived. He may have experienced the unbelief of the city and had some doubt concerning the ability of Jesus to heal him. But being separated from the people of the city allowed him to open himself up, although with skepticism, to the healing power of Jesus. Once he could partially see, his faith increased, and he determined within himself to be healed completely. After the man's sight was restored and he saw everything, Jesus sent him home saying, don't go into the village. Can you imagine after this healing, the joy of this man, the joy this man would have felt? He may have been even desperate to share it with others, but Jesus told him to go home. I believe the reason for this is that Jesus did not want to be known as a miracle worker. So he did not want the man to tell others for the fear that the news would spread quickly. Scripture does not say whether the man obeyed or disobeyed, but we do know that the healing made a great impression on the disciples. So what does this miracle teach us some 2,000 years later? It teaches us about the journey of faith. The act of Jesus leading the man outside the village is significant. It symbolizes the journey of faith that we must undertake. A journey that often requires us to step outside of our comfort zones, leave behind familiar surroundings, and venture into the unknown, guided only by our faith in Jesus. It teaches us the importance of communal faith. The man was brought to Jesus by some people who begged Jesus to touch the man. This act of intercession is a testament to the faith of the community in Jesus's healing power. It also underscores the importance of communal faith and the role we play in bringing others to Jesus. It teaches us that faith can bring clarity to our vision. Just like the blind man, when we align ourselves with God's vision, we start to see things from his perspective. We see our circumstances 
our relationships and our world in a new light. We gain a deeper understanding of his love, his grace, and his plan for our lives. It teaches us that God's vision brings transformation. The blind man's life was forever changed when he received his sight. Similarly, when we follow God's vision, we experience a transformation that affects every area of our lives. We become more like Jesus and our lives start to reflect God's love and praise. It teaches us that God's vision brings fulfillment. The blind man, once isolated and dependent, was now able to fully engage with the world around him. In the same way, when we follow God's vision, we find purpose and fulfillment. We discover our unique role in God's grand narrative and we experience the joy of partnering with him in his work. So as modern readers of this passage, Jesus rightly commands us to come to him in a disposition of faith, trusting his power, goodness and love. We must believe and worship him, whether that results in miraculous healing in our lives or simply the grace to live with our condition. It is important to remember that physical healing and spiritual growth are often not immediate. We must hold tightly to Jesus, continuing to look at him to meet our physical and spiritual needs. Sometimes the answers to our prayers may come quickly. Other times they may come in stages like the blind man in our reading for this evening. But whether his answer comes immediately or in stages, it's important to remember that his grace is sufficient. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, you're the creator of all things and you sustain all life. We come to you acknowledging that your will is best and your plan is far greater than any we could ever ask for or imagine. Lord, we come to you with troubles that are weighing on our hearts troubles in our country, troubles in our homes. Dear God, give us the faith to believe that you can carry all burdens. And we ask that you share your yoke with us in difficult times. God, you are the God of healing. If it is your will, we ask that you heal our country and heal our homes. Give us the confidence to believe that everything will work out according to your purpose. May we seek you in good times and in difficult times and learn to trust you more every day. May you increase and we decrease as we learn to become more like you in your holy and powerful name. Amen. Him, I'll walk with God.
Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or conceive, by the power which is at work among us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all ages. Amen. The Lord.